Welcome to Ashlyn's Apron Podcast, a holistic journey to healthier living. I'm Ashlyn, and I'm ready to guide you on the path to living your best life. As a registered dietitian, I absolutely love anything food, science, everyday living, and of course, finding joy in it all. I'm here to give you nutrition advice while also providing tips for your daily life. Join me as I help you become the healthiest version of yourself. Hello all. Today we're going to be talking about a favorite topic of mine. Not only is this one of my favorites to talk about, but it's also one of my favorites to take part in. It's one I'm sure is beloved by most everyone, and I've even gotten direct questions about it. One of the most frequently asked questions I receive is, What are some healthy snack ideas? Snacks are one of my favorite things, but depending on your creativity level or your time, they may not be your favorite thing. I'm here today to be able to answer why we are so drawn to snacks, to suggest when we should snack or when not to snack, and offer you some easy ideas for your snacks. Let's get started. So many people are drawn to snacks because snacks can be so versatile. It goes without saying, because I'm sure you already know, sometimes you just need a little pick-me-up in between meals to keep you going. I've mentioned in previous episodes that we need carbs for energy. Our body does a good job telling us what it needs. For example, our stomach growls indicating that it's hungry, or we're starting to feel full at the dinner table, showing that we need to slow down and even stop eating. We need to listen to our body. does a good job telling us, but we need to do a better job at listening to our body. This can help to prevent feeling weak from a lack of eating, or It can prevent discomfort or unnecessary weight gain from overeating. Snacks can help bridge the gap between mealtimes when we may need more food or they can be in place of a meal for times when you know your body needs nourishment but you don't always feel hungry enough for a whole meal. I think people are so drawn to snacks because not only do they meet a nutritional need, but they can also meet a social need too. I think about one side of my family that whenever we get together, we have an appetizer night. This is usually a night when we've either had a long day of activities Or it's the beginning of our time together and family is just trickling in town. For appetizer night, everyone brings in their favorites, whether it's guacamole or another dip, a charcuterie board, or, of course, the family favorite, jalapeno poppers. What are appetizers? A fancy word for snacks before dinner. And for appetizer night, there's no pressure 
on just one person to be in the kitchen all day. Everyone works on their appetizer to share, but oftentimes it either doesn't take much time or we're all able to be in the kitchen together to help. And it fosters conversations. It allows little snacks to be the epicenter, I guess, of community. People crave community and fellowship and friendship, which is easily achievable and possible by sharing a little mini meal together. If snacks are so important, then when should we snack? And even we can ask the question, when should we not snack? I mentioned above that listening to our bodies is important. If we're constantly eating without any consideration for what our bodies truly need, then yes, we can experience overeating, weight gain, and if the snacks are high in carbohydrates, low in protein and fat, then there's even the potential for poor glycemic or poor blood sugar control, which is what we're trying to avoid in light of diabetes or prediabetes. I'm not saying that snacking leads to prediabetes, but your frequency and quantity and quality of your snacks matters. I'll talk more about this in a minute. I have observed friends and family who snack. I do want to clarify, this is not a judgmental observation. I do feel like sometimes as a dietitian, we get labeled as the food police. That's not what I'm doing here, but it's simply noticing patterns in people. I love studying people and seeing how they interact. So this observation is truly simply just noticing those patterns. I've noticed, especially on vacation, when desserts and snacks that are not in one's normal eating routine are present, that's when those individuals overindulge. I will say, sometimes depending on the vacation, whether you are moving around and being more active, that could be like walking around Disney, going on a hike, or even sitting and swimming in the sun on the beach all day, you need more energy and more food. So extra snacks may be necessary in those moments. I am very much so a dietitian that says all foods fit, and if you want it, yeah, you can go for it. There is an aspect of enjoying the foods you eat here. But if that's all you're eating and always how frequently you're eating, like if my friends and family who I see on vacation who are constantly going back to the snack jar or 
the dessert table and they're constantly eating just because it's there and just because they don't get that normally, that's when we need to address that. So once those habit patterns go into normal living, that's really when that needs to be addressed. Again, if that's all you're eating and how frequently you're always eating, especially as your activity levels go down from after vacation, then that's when I say, in the name of your health, what would it look like to truly listen to your body's hunger and then respond? Instead of constantly going to the pantry or the sweets on the counter simply because they're there, what if we slowed down, paused, and listened? When you're hungry, eat. Absolutely. When you're not, maybe wait until your next meal. There is an exception to this in that you do have the freedom to decide when to eat or not. So if you do sense that your body is not necessarily hungry, but you know that you need the nutrients, or you simply decide you'd enjoy eating something, you can do that with the conscience knowing that, yes, I'm not necessarily hungry, but I can make this decision. Listening to our body can actually help with the timing of our meals and how often we eat. Speaking of how often we eat, Dr. Pepper actually caught on to the timing of meals. Several years ago, I went to the Dr. Pepper Museum in Waco, Texas. It's really fascinating to learn about the history of the making of this soda. One of my favorite sections of the museum showed the different logos over the years. One of the original logos was a circle with the Dr. Pepper name in the middle. So similar to kind of how it is today, but instead of more of an oval like it is today, it was really like a circle. Around the circle are the numbers in a clock, but the only numbers highlighted were 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 4 o'clock. The theory behind this is, when you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner at quote-unquote standard times, like, say, a 7 o'clock breakfast or a noon lunch and a 6 o'clock dinner, then your body will naturally be hungry at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 4 p.m. Dr. Pepper uses this in their logo and kind of in their slogan to say that these are the perfect times to have a Dr. Pepper. My challenge for you this week is to listen to your body. See around those meal times if you notice slight hunger. Do you address this hunger and feed your body? Or are you too busy to resolve your hunger? Or do you even notice how your body is talking with you? For me, I noticed when my body is hungry almost every day around 3 p.m., which makes sense based on what Dr. Pepper is telling me 
that it's right in between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. That's every day, and some days I do also feel hungry around 10 a.m. That's primarily affected by what I ate for breakfast. If it was a filling breakfast, like eggs and toast or oatmeal and peanut butter, then maybe I don't get hungry again until lunchtime. But if it was something lighter, like just cereal or something, then I'll likely be hungry for a 10 o'clock snack. And it is okay to have multiple snacks throughout the day. Some days are busier and you need more energy from food. And other days are a little slower paced and you may not need all that energy. Nutrition is non-negotiable, but the how and the when is up to you. In other words, you need to eat. I highly suggest not skipping meals in the name of quote-unquote health, because actually this is more detrimental to your health, but that's a topic for another day. But it's up to you to make that happen. I'm not affiliated with Dr. Pepper, nor do I necessarily suggest that this is a filling snack. You need something with more complex carbs, protein, and fat, and sodas contain more of those simple carbs or just the straight-up sugar. But I will say, Dr. Pepper's theory is accurate for how we do sometimes need those periodic meals and snacks. So what are some good snacks with protein, carbs, and fat, like I mentioned? I find that most snacks are very high carb. Like if you look at the prepackaged little snack packs, like pretzels or Cheez-Its or crackers, all of these are very high carb. Even things like fresh or dried fruit. And again, those prepackaged sweets, like prepackaged cakes or something. All of them are carbs, which are not bad. Like I mentioned before, uh, with this whole thing with snacks, we need energy. And carbs give us that energy. Carbs are our number one fuel source for our brain. So carbs are not bad at all. We need them. But in overabundance, they can negatively affect our blood sugar levels. The best way to have good glycemic control is to have snacks with protein, carb, and fat. So enjoy those carbohydrates and add some protein and fat to go with it. For example, have your pretzels with hummus. With crackers, you could have cheese slices. With your fruit, You could have nuts or nut butters. Regarding sweets, especially those prepackaged, but this goes for anything, I would tend to opt for more whole foods, like fruits with nuts, or whole grain breads with a ricotta spread on it. Again, you will never hear me say that you cannot have sweets. But... That should be on occasion, 
and there may be other options that give your body more nutrients. You could even do yourself a favor. Make a list of all the carb sources, protein sources, and heart-healthy fat sources. So, for example, maybe pretzel thins, an apple, and whole wheat crackers are on your carbs list. On your protein list, you may have pepperoni, peanut butter, or your favorite nut like cashews or almonds or pistachios. And for heart-healthy fat, those nuts and nut butters provide that too. But you could also add cheese, which also does add some protein, or avocado. So get that heart-healthy fat in. If you aren't using pre-made things like trail mix or protein snack boxes, the ones with like the cheese and the crackers and the dried fruit, then you could refer back to this list to make your own snack. So if I was to put each of those three together, one from each category, I could have whole wheat crackers with pepperoni and cheddar cheese slices. You could have an apple with peanut butter. Or you could have Greek yogurt with berries. If you need a list of ideas to go into each of your categories, let me know. I'm actually toying with the idea of making a list to share on my website, but I need you to tell me if this is something you'd be interested in or not. So comment on my blog post or on any of my social media pages and let me know. Now it's time for the Local Loves and Favorite Finds segment of this episode. This week for my local love, I'm sharing about the new TCBY in Germantown. As I discuss this, this goes back to everything I already discussed in this episode. You have the freedom to enjoy frozen yogurt, but maybe we don't have this every day of the week. It's all about finding a good balance that ultimately makes you the healthiest version of yourself. Now back to our local loves. I know that TCBY is a chain frozen yogurt place, but this one in Germantown is one of a kind. I have not seen a TCBY like this before. This TCBY is located in the Thornwood Shopping Center next door to JoJo's Espresso. And you know about JoJo's if you listen to my recent podcasts. Love that place. But TCBY is right next door, so the best of both worlds. This TCBY has a self-serve option where you can fill a bowl with your preferred amount of frozen yogurt and then there's an endless amount of topping options. You can still get shivers and milkshakes, but you are actually in charge of filling it, which gives some neat autonomy. It's a great place to go late at night, and even if you want to sit outside, they have a covered patio that's actually shared with JoJo's. My go-to frozen yogurt bowl is white chocolate mousse with normally whatever 
seasonal sorbet flavor they have. I enjoyed their summer watermelon flavor, but the most recent time that I went, they had a pink lemonade flavor in its place. It was really good. And then I normally top it with a few strawberry boba, crushed Reese's, and crushed Butterfinger. The boba goes on top of the fruity sorbet, and the Reese's and Butterfinger go on top of the white chocolate mousse, of course. And just because this is priced by weight, I don't necessarily fill it up all the way, and I know that I'm helping to enjoy something that I love, like frozen yogurt or a frozen dessert, but I'm also controlling my portion size in the name of health and wanting to ultimately take care of my body in that way as well. My favorite find that I want to share with you is actually a method that we have been using this summer with our grilled chicken. Over the years, Stephen and I have used frozen chicken breasts like you would get in a freezer bag at the grocery. And we've actually had poor luck with these. Either our freezer goes out because the power goes out or actually our first apartment that we lived in, the freezer would just not work and the chicken would go to waste. Or ultimately it would just taste rubbery even if we had it fresh and freezer didn't affect it, it would just taste rubbery to us. We have found that getting a four to five pound case of fresh chicken is the best for us. When we get it, I go ahead and trim the fat from the chicken. Once it's trimmed, I sometimes cut them in half because they are so large And then I put them in individual freezer baggies that are labeled with the date. That way, when we are ready for chicken, it's in individual portions. And I can just thaw the individual baggie. I don't have to, you know, take it out and get a serving and measure it all out. It's all in this one individual baggie so that. It can help with our meal prep and even once we get home late from work, we're able to use that individual portion size to get ready to put it on the grill. We simply thaw it out and grill it with our favorite kickin' chicken seasoning, and I believe that is by McCormick. It adds great spice and good flavor. We have found that this chicken is more flavorful, tender, and just more fresh. By using this freezer method, we get to enjoy the best quality chicken for many times to come. And especially with just the two of us, this is just as economical as getting a large frozen bag, especially when we factor in the quality. Now it's time. This episode has officially come to a close. Thank you for joining me. If you found this helpful, which I hope you did, share this episode on social media by screenshotting the cover and sharing it into your feed. 
I'd also love a five-star review. So go ahead and put that in while you're at it. I can't wait until next time, but in the meantime, together, let's continue to become the healthiest version of ourselves. Thank you.